This is Ashley. And I'm Megan. And you're listening to Our Story for All Stories. Wow. This week, Megan. What a week. It's been a big one. So, we just announced to everyone that we're launching this church, that we're working on this. Yeah, podcast three, but week one of launching the church. Yeah. So y'all got to go back in time with us a little bit. Just a little bit. We, it's been unreal. We can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't know about you. No, it's pretty surreal. Yeah, a lot of people have asked how it's been. And like, oh, wow, this is so cool what you're doing. How do you feel? And it's like, um, I don't know. Everything. We're feeling yeah, all the all, feelings. All the emotions. <laughs> And they're all good. They're all positive. Mm-hmm. It's just surreal. Yeah. It's been overwhelming in all of the best ways. Because yeah. we, we kind of, there were people we knew, we had warned, and so they knew we were coming, we were expecting their responses, but I never would have predicted some of the stories we've gotten, mm-hmm. some of the responses we've gotten. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, it's, I guess we could should have predicted it. That's part of the reason why we started this church, but then again, like, who were we to predict such meaningful responses? Had no idea. Last night we went live on Facebook and Instagram, and the ways that people offered to support us and asked really thoughtful questions, like, it's just really cool. I cried multiple times. Megan likes to pickle me about that, but yeah. it was I just mean, really cool. We could end up with pastoral bean bags and probably <laughs> way too many chairs, but... Oh, and rocking chairs. Yeah, rocking chairs for our our baby friends. I know. We're kind of inside joking right now, but maybe this will mean people go back and watch the live if they haven't already. Yeah, I mean, everybody can get behind a pastoral beanbag whether they know what we're talking about or not. Sure. Pastoral beanbag. You don't need to know the story. Mm -hmm. It's fine. No, I think one of my favorite parts of this week has been the texts, the direct messages, the emails that I've gotten. Um... Some, like you said, expected, and some completely unexpected, of people sharing what has resonated with them about what little we've already posted. Um, That's just been really cool. I know you've gotten some of the same kinds of messages. Yeah, I had to share from uh, Montana. Like, it's crazy. Who would have thought that, I don't know, mind-blowing. We were, you know, here we are building this thing, and our focus reaches Raleigh, And while that hasn't changed, seeing all the different ways people have interacted with us, but knowing that people in Montana are paying attention, (laughs) it really puts, kind of blows your scope off of what you are planning and says, all right, we got to think a little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, I got a couple of great messages that really stood out to me, but um, one of them was uh, a woman that I'd photographed her family before. She was talking about how her son has started asking her questions about God and she hasn't known where to trust to take her son and her family for church. Um, but in seeing that we are welcoming and affirming of gay people, she said she knew that she could trust our church to engage her son's questions about God. And she's straight. Um, but I think in seeing that it helped her know that, um, there was space for their family and their questions in our gatherings. Yeah, and that's, I think, don't often hear the words questions 
space and church all in one <laughs> sentence, or at least not right. actively described. Yeah. It's even humbling for someone to say that they know our church already is going to provide that space. Right. That's our hope, but sure. to see people already trusting and engaging us in that vision, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, my response was that um, we all have lots of questions, too, and we like to talk about our questions. <laughs> yeah, hence some of this podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, then, I, okay. Well, I, I had someone who uh, said that God had become a sore subject based on their upbringing and growing up in a, uh, they went to a private Christian college and just some of the rules that they were expected to follow and they weren't allowed to be who they were, which was a gay female Mm. and could have been kicked out of school for it. And so Christianity has been a sore subject for the past 10 years for them. And here we are actively engaging those questions and those rules and saying, what if that's not how it has to be? Sure. And seeing hope and kind of the ability to maybe, maybe there is a place in Christianity for me. Um, Just kind of, again, humbling. I'm going to use that word a lot, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to get a new vocabulary to do this podcast thing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, when I was writing... My little blurb about, or my part of the announcement on my social media platforms, um, it was important to me to go and point out that you, as my co-pastor, are gay, and that means that we are actually welcoming and affirming, um, because I knew that that was going to be important to a lot of people. Um, We've kind of laughed that we want to make sure that everyone remembers the name of our church and that all stories are important. Um, but we also know that in the South, in the country's climate right now, that it's really important to make the distinction um, right off the bat that we are welcoming and affirming of gay people. Well, yeah, I mean, we've even, obviously we've been honest and open about who I am and the fact that I'm gay and married to a woman. But if you're coming in from our church from the outside and don't know me personally or don't haven't seen maybe the posts that we've put up about me. That's why we were so intentional putting it in our statement of faith um, and just being bold with it up front. Like, no, we're going to put these words into our church's page because we don't want any questions. We want to, we're going to name it. We're going to own it. And this is who we are. Um, and more than just personnel, but also just in our statement of faith. Absolutely. All stories are welcome. But we do want to talk about this today because we've already gotten lots of questions and comments about the choice to say right off the bat that we're welcoming and affirming. So we feel like it deserves its own podcast episode. Go and get this out. Talk about it now. Yeah, just name it. Again, name it, own it, um, and explain it so we can get some of those designators out of the way. Um, and what, like, what is the difference between welcoming and affirming? Uh, why are we so careful with our language there? I think it's important to explain a name. Sure. Okay, we'll start us off, Megan. What, especially for you, is the difference between hearing a church say that they are welcoming and that they are affirming? Welcoming, if I was a new person trying to find a church mm-hmm. and all I saw was we welcome everyone, I probably wouldn't go to that church. Or I'd be digging until I found out what that meant. Mm. Because a lot of times, 
like you said, you mentioned it, churches here, especially in the South. Um, but I've seen it across the U.S. in my travels. Like, they'll say, we welcome everyone, or all are welcome, God loves all. But there's conditions. It's like there should be, like, a mini little asterisk and then fine print mm-hmm. at the bottom. Right. Because it's like, oh, yes, yes, you're welcome. We might give you some sideways glances. Um, that's a maybe, but it's a definite that you can't do X, Y, and Z at our church. Sure. Um, and then if you question it, it's like, oh, well, you didn't see the fine print when you walked in. Like, right. we, 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 we told you if you had just paid attention. Or, um, but, And so uh, welcoming, it's just such a passive word. I mean, think of all the places you get welcomed into. <laughs> um, you know, welcome to Moe's is the first thing that pops into my head. But Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we welcome people all the time, but that doesn't mean we want them to stay. Wow, that's a good distinction. Um, it doesn't mean we, we want them to make home there. Um, and, and affirming absolutely says that. Um, I remember when my friend Jason and I were coming out at Campbell Divinity School, and we were scared, and we didn't know, and we saw the semester schedule, and so we decided to take action by going to the associate dean. And it was the fir- he was the first person we told. And this is where I learned what it meant to be told you're affirmed. Because we told him and we said, we don't, we don't know what this looks like for Campbell. We don't know what this looks like for our classmates. And he said, I can't speak to your classmates. I can't speak to your professors. He says, but I can speak for myself. And I affirm you and I see y'all as children of God. Mm, that's and, powerful. Yeah, I mean, I've got little goosebumps just now thinking about it because it's that tells me everything I need to know. It tells me I'm safe. It tells me that I'm seen as a person of God and not with conditions, not with fine print, and that I'm safe to be who I want to be and who God's called me to be. Whereas welcoming, anybody can say welcome. Yeah. So for me, that's the difference. You have talked before about um, the danger in passive welcoming. Um, is there more that you want to say on that? Like, if if there are gay Christians that are in welcoming churches, yeah, there's a lot. You there's a lot of expectations that come with church. Like, what I one of the reasons that I just can't quit the bug of church, if you will. It's like the community that's there. When I was a kid, I was kind of shy, quiet, reserved. I was not good at making friends and I didn't know anything, like who I wanted to be, anything about myself. But I found community at church. Mm. I was embraced by my church. And that's what people are often looking for. I mean, even just in our responses, people have said they're looking for community. They're excited about our community. Yeah, that's the first thing I missed about church when I took time off. And the danger of just saying you're a welcoming church and not actually meaning it when it comes to all people um, or having it with conditions is that you get LGBT folks, especially, that's the issue right now, but it could be anybody that comes into your church and starts to form that community and then when they start to feel comfortable enough and brave enough to really be who they are and who God's called them to be and they get stopped 
They get vulnerable. They get vulnerable, yeah. which is a scary place to be. Yeah. And then they're told, oh, sorry, you're not allowed. Mm. And so suddenly, you're not allowed, but you said I was welcomed here. Well, yeah, you can be a member or you can you can attend worship services, but you can't be a leader. You can't assist the youth programs. You can't do... Well, I'm not welcomed then, but I've put in so much time and so much energy. Then the question goes, do I stay and fight it or do I just run away and if I leave well you better believe I'm going to carry that baggage of what this church just dropped on me and I see a lot of that where people have really been excited and engaged in a community or at least the, the possibility of that community and then they realize what that that although they were told they were welcome they weren't really ever truly a part of that seen as a part of that community Right, and neither of those options are great. Either leaving because of that happening and then having that baggage or staying and fighting. You don't want to have to stay and fight for yourself like that in a space that you thought you were safe in. I can't imagine that either of those are great. Yeah, and it's just exhausting because you know. I I mean, speaking from personal experience, like I, I have said it before, there's a lot of LGBT Christians that because of their upbringing have crisis of faith Mm. when they come out and they're trying to to balance it out because religions told them they don't have a place if they're gay sure I've seen that a lot of my gay friends I was the opposite I was having a crisis of faith in the years leading up to coming out and then I chose to be who I was and suddenly things made sense and I found my faith but but I lost the church Sure, right. So it's, it's kind of that weird balance, if you will, um, where I found my faith and I was very confident in God and who God called me to be. But I was, I lacked a total faith in the church. And I spent about five years um, trying to figure out how to trust the church again and where to go because of it. And, and it's based on this whole welcoming versus affirming thing being told that you can do something and having that carpet ripped out from underneath you just as you're starting to get comfortable. The other thing that kind of the passive welcoming can bring is a little bit of, I don't know, when stubbornness, I mean, or just a total lack of like shutdown mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes from what the churches say to us. Um, when they're like for me my home church when I tried to engage them in conversation um, was told no but it was always because of we're protecting you (laughs) wow and uh you know I just want to be like bless your heart I don't I don't need protection (laughs) yeah it seems well-intentioned but it's not very thoughtful and what it really says is, like, we, we are scared, and we don't... And so you see all these churches have large panels. And this is maybe the scope of what people don't understand, is fully. To know that there's a large panel being created to talk about you. <laughs> and it might not be you specifically, right? but as an LGBTQ Christian, it is you that sure. they are talking about. Yeah. 
And this huge panel has been created. And they're bringing in, guess what? All these straight people to have the conversation. About you. About you. <clears throat> and I've heard a story where the only gay person present at the event, not on the panel, but just there to, to listen in and to engage, was asked to go watch from a different area. Mm, to protect them? To protect them mm. from comments that might happen. Mm. And what it really says is, excuse me, but what it really says is, we're afraid we're going to show our asses here. And um, <laughs> we less witnesses, please. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> There's a lot of fear in that. Because you're not protecting the LGBTQ person. They've already given all of them themselves to be there, to be known as, like, the only person in that room that has, like, a direct impact on this conversation. Maybe not, because there's a lot of people with hidden stories of family members. Right. But, like, I'm right. talking, the like... The only out person. The only out person in that room. Yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah. So I don't want to discredit people who have family members and feel strongly about it, but, like, as the only out person in the room, sure. to be asked to leave because they're protecting you, that's the exact opposite of what you're actually doing. Sure. And you've already told them how that conversation's going to go. Yep. Um, and so it's just... It's just comical because there's this whole theory that we've protected LGBTQ Christians from these hard conversations. But from every experience I've ever had, when people actually engage the stories mm-hmm. of LGBTQ Christians straight from their mouths, yep. their perspe- the, the, the other person's perspective shifts. Sure. Maybe not a hundred percent, maybe not a one, you know, a complete one eighty, but their perspective shifts, and I think that's what we're ultimately afraid of. We're not afraid of hurting an LGBTQ Christian. History's had plenty of hurt smeared across it. I mean, we don't, yeah. you don't need to be afraid of that. It's happening. It's happened. It will continue to happen as long as we're not invited to the table. Yeah. But there's this fear that you'll change. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then what do we do with that? Because I have this box and God fits really neatly in it. And I'm told that these things work and operate accordingly. And um, if my perspective shifts and something, either the box has to move or the box gets dented or like, God forbid, God comes out of the box. But um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. There's just this fear of allowing... LGBTQ people to have a seat at the table and it's often masked as protection and I can promise you nothing offends me more than someone telling me they're protecting me. Oh sure, oh sure. Well, you know, in talking about having a seat at the table, you and I have talked about this a lot because the way that I can relate with you is that as a woman that is a minister, um, I have been told no by certain groups that believe that only men can be ministers. So I understand that side of being told no based on who I am. Um, But I don't know what it's like to be told no based on my sexuality. Um, So I think that has been important to me in my calling as a minister and as a person um, is to take my experience of being told no and knowing that I've needed allies because of that and then to turn around and to work really hard to try to be a good ally for my gay brothers and sisters. Yeah, I think it's important because if, if you heard in my language, I wasn't saying we want the seat at the table. Mm. We want a seat. 
it's a conversation um, and it requires all stories and all people yeah. to fully wrap our minds around this thing called faith and God and church. And we just want to see, we just want to share our stories. And I think that's so cool with what you strive for is because you take your journey and your story and say, I can't a hundred percent relate to you, but I can empathize and I can see the struggle and how can I, how can I serve you and how can I advocate and ally with you? And it's not a for you, it's a with. Right. Yeah. Cause like you said, I, I could tell your story for you, but I'd rather you tell your story for you. You know, I can, I can be the one that helps get you into the room where the table is. I can be the one that helps get you your seat at the table but only you can tell your story in a way that is most impactful and beneficial for other people to hear. Yeah, and it's refreshingly important for that. And so I think that's actually why, as we've been starting this church, so many LGBTQ Christians or, or just identifying people have reached out to you mm. um, with the questions about being an open and affirming church. Right. Which has been interesting for us. You and I have talked about this a lot because at first you would think, oh, well, why wouldn't they just reach out to Megan? They know Megan's gay. Why wouldn't they ask Megan these questions? Why are they coming to me? Um, But I think we've kind of talked about how it's almost like people need to hear it from me more in a way since I'm not gay. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, duh, of course, Megan's gonna (laughs) be for LGBTQ Christians and have this faith story and have ways to counter all the arguments. Newsflash. um, I don't have all the answers, uh, (laughs) but um, I'm definitely an advocate and an ally or uh, LGBTQ person. So I have my theories and thoughts. You, as a straight person, well, that's a bit mind blowing for some. Yeah, it's a different kind of permission that I give to somebody to be who they are and that they are welcome and affirmed to be who they are before God and in our community um, because that, that's a step past be understanding what that means like you do. Um, I have always laughed that I end up being the, and this has been since middle school, I'm usually the first person that a lot of my LGBTQ friends come out to, especially if they're Christian. Um, And for a long time, I didn't really understand why, but I think it's, and I've asked a few of them, and they've said that they knew that um, as much as it was still a big deal to come out to me and to say it for the first time to somebody else, um, they knew that I was going to love them regardless, even though they weren't quite sure what I was going to say. But that has been huge to me and some of the most ministry affirming compliments I've ever gotten and those have been some of my most sacred moments when someone has chosen to reveal exactly who they are to me when they have never done that before and is that not what being a minister should be about is creating the space for everyone to Feel free and vulnerable and at peace and safe to reveal exactly who they are, whether that means they're gay or wh- whatever that means for them. Um, that that just seems like the higher 
calling of that. Right, yeah, to actually create a space that is permissive of people being authentically and fully vulnerable and who they were chosen and created to be by God. And that seems obvious to me, but I have historically not found places for myself in traditional ministry because that's how I feel called to be a minister in the world. So while for some people it seems obvious that that's why you would want to start a church because you are gay and have and creating the place that affirms you, that's also one of the reasons why I felt called to start a church because there have been so many times where I don't find a place for myself in traditional ministry in being an ally and feeling like this is a huge part of my calling um, to create these spaces where people can be fully themselves, whatever that means. Um, Because, you know, being affirming of gay people aside, a lot of times churches can get themselves in this rhythm of being where you dress yourself up. And I don't just mean that in Sunday clothes, but like you bring your most perfect looking self to church so that you look like you have it all together. You look like you got your stuff together. You look like you've never done anything wrong. And... I mean, hello, God sees who we truly are, and shouldn't we get to bring who we truly are to church so then we're coming before God as that person? I just think that's that's a thing the church has gotten really off track with. It's such a it's such a relief when you can leave your baggage at the door. Yeah. And, and it's, it, yeah, you get to be you. Uh, you know, we, we joked, I just got back from, you know, my three-week army training, and we had to wear a lot of equipment in the field. And as soon as we got back to, we called it tent city or circus tents. But as soon as we got back to those tents and we could take off all the field equipment, mm. it was just like we were new people. Suddenly we felt 20 pounds lighter. You know, we could float on air. And just hearing you describe being able to do that at a church, like just be who you were, be not carry all that baggage in, not worry about looking perfect or looking the part. I was like, man, if I felt that good just taking off some army equipment, imagine how people feel knowing that there's a church where the weight of their insecurities, the weight of who they are, if they've been traditionally told that's not okay, um, those uh, figurative weights that we carry around just imagine how different that'll feel knowing that Ashley sees them as they are that's such a good visual for that and that you see them as they are well yeah but I'm gay so of course (laughs) (laughs) well maybe for the people that aren't bringing in uh their baggage about being gay oh yeah there's plenty of baggage to share because again with us being all stories church um we want all stories to be welcome so maybe there are some straight people that would be bringing in some baggage that they're that they will be uh given the gift of grace by being seen by you yeah it's amazing um just talking to people and hearing what the baggage that they carry and what the burdens we put on ourselves yeah um and that we assume other people are going to judge i hear it as a chaplain oh yeah um i hear it as a pastor and, and and so yeah, I'm excited to that all stories means all stories. And tonight, you know, today we're focusing on the LGBTQ side of it because it's just such a contentious element still 
in the, a lot of churches today. But no, we mean that 100% across the board. And, and that's that, a big statement for us to make. That's a big deal that we're saying that. That's a lot for us to take on, but you know what? I'm here for it. Well, yeah, I don't think I don't think you can truly I don't. This is me, Pastor Megan speaking. I, like I don't want to speak for someone else, but I just don't think that I could say that I'm serving the God I serve if I have those conditions. Mm, right? And and I don't want someone to walk in and feel that there's an asterisk Absolutely. next to mem- our membership or whatever we choose to call the partnership that we will have with our community. I don't want any asterisks. I don't want fine print because the God I serve there's no there's no fine print. It's come as you are. I love you as you are and take off all that figurative weight and just be. And if we don't serve in that manner, then we're not you know, then we are then we need to be removed from our roles because I just don't think I could be a pastor if I came with anything more than what I'm expecting to receive from my God. Well, there's our hearts, you guys. I don't know. How else could we sum that up any better? <laughs>